You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Emma Sasek's interviews with the cast for Netflix's animated film Nimona, Riz Ahmed, Chloe Grace Moretz, Eugene Lee Yang, and the film's directors, Nick Bruno and Troy Quinn. The queen killer is still out there. Everyone is scared. He's a murderer. He's a monster. He's perfect. Hey, boss. Who are you? The name's Nimona. Your sidekick has arrived. I don't need a sidekick. Every villain needs a sidekick. I'm not a villain. Hello, my name is Emma Sasek, and I'm with Next Best Picture. Chloe, it's such a pleasure to meet you. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you, likewise. Thank you. Um, This film obviously deals with, uh, you know, these themes of having all these eyes on you, feeling ostracized. I'm sure being a woman in Hollywood, especially someone who started acting so young, there may have been some moments like that for yourself, not to get too personal. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you first read the script, what was what was the initial reaction like? And could you relate to Nimona in, in a number of ways? Definitely. You know, I think, uh, you know, this started off as a as a webcomic by Andy Stevenson, and he actually created it as a thesis in college. And then that <laughs> became a graphic novel from the amount of love and and uh, response that Nimona got. And I think, you know, that speaks for itself, you know, alone. You know, this is a story that really had legs from the very beginning. Um, and when I got the opportunity to to play Nimona, that was one that I just, you know, I wanted to kind of rise to the occasion for. And she's so complicated, you know, and, and, and to be honest, you know, she represents anyone that's ever felt other than anyone that's ever felt ostracized or different than the, you know, societal expectations of, you know, what's set in front of all of us. Um, and to be able to represent all of that in such a fun, crazy, chaotic, exciting package <laughs> is just a wild opportunity that you don't usually get the chance to take. No, and I absolutely love the lust for vengeance that <laughs> you portray through this character and your relationship with Riz Ahmed's character. Um, did you two get a opportunity to really collaborate in the studio and, you know, figure out how you wanted to portray these two characters? No, yeah, no, we never met each other. We, oh we we didn't know each other at all. We hadn't even talked to each other during production. It wasn't until uh, years later. I mean, we started recording this in 2019. And then he and I met each other at the Met Gala last year, mm. which was like, whatever, you know, three years later. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was so funny because I was like, I've heard you in my head for years now, but to be able to see you in person, it was just like, oh my God, you know? It was wild, but you know, it, it was, he's such an amazing actor. And I think the opportunity to do this with him, I, I couldn't imagine anyone else playing Ballister. Yeah, I, I really just love that dynamic between you two. Um, I know I have to start wrapping up soon, but I, I of course have to ask if you were given these shape-shifting powers, what animals, what people, what anything would you be willing to turn into? <laughs> I think what I would want to turn into is my little baby doggy named Ruby. Aww. She's our little French bulldog and she's so cute and she's a little <laughs> gremlin and a little devil. Um, and I would love to turn into her because she's so squishy and cuddly. And I think it'd be really fun to see the world through her eyes for the day. Ruby is living her best life. <laughs> oh, Ruby is, she is the queen of the palace for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Chloe. I have to wrap up, but it was such a pleasure to chat with you. The real villain is still out there, and I do need help. And then, 
Who do you want to kill first? What? Look, I can help you, but promise me you won't freak out. Why would I trust you? Promise! I promise! Even when you see the horn? Horn! Promise! I promise, promise, I will not freak! Oh. This is the part where you run. They call me help! They call me Stacy! They call me help! They call me Jane! It is such a pleasure to meet you. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you too. So Emma, is this the next best picture? Uh, obviously, we're talking. <laughs> we're getting that best actor Oscar back at you. <laughs> wow. I mean, look, this is such a labor of love for everyone involved. There was a long time and we thought it wouldn't come out. Um, yeah. it's back up on its feet and it's, uh, it's out there in the world and it's just, it's so exciting. You know? I know. And, uh, as I've been chatting with some of your colleagues on this project, I, I know how much this project means not only to you, but I can only imagine to so many young children, young adults, teenagers, everybody who might be going through a very difficult time period and, you know, maybe thinking like they're an outcast and, and just a lot of heavy themes for, for kids. Um, I'm curious if, if you had seen this film as a child, so many questions about the world ahead of you. How do you think this film would have impacted you from a young age? Um, I think that one of the really strong messages in this film is about acceptance and the importance of accepting people different from you. You know, so often we think that in order to be heroes, we need to create villains. We need to create people who are different to us and the opposite of us. But actually real heroism comes in, not in rejecting others, but accepting yourself. I think that this film really, really conveys that message. So I'm excited to, yes. uh, to have, have this film out there in the world and have young people absorb that. Um, as I said, this film deals with some difficult themes. Uh, I know one of your previous films that you were an executive producer on, Flea, also dealt with very serious adult topics uh, as it related to one person's life. Uh, what is it about the animation art form that you feel like, I think at one point people thought it was just for children, just for fun stories, but clearly we can cover and discuss a lot of important worldly themes and issues. What is it about the art form that draws you in? Yeah, I think there's something just like um, about animation that is kind of like, as you know, it's just kind of unbound by the rule mm -hmm. laws of physics. And it's like a direct line from the imagination. I think we can all remember kind of scribbling away and putting pen to paper and crayons, you know, and, and, and allowing our imagination to just spill onto the page without being contained by reality in a way. And I think that that's what animation can do. It can create a space for like, you know, unobstructed imagination. And, um, I think within that space, within that imaginative leap, it can be really powerful to then confront some real world stuff. You know, it's like the way that sci-fi sometimes talks about real world, the real world or politics more directly than, you know, um, other things, uh, than, than realistic dramas. And I think it's the same with animation. I think with animation, whether it's films like Flea or Waltz with Bashir or, um, you know, uh, there are these amazing kind of opportunities for us to examine reality um, through the lens of wild imagination. 
Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Absolutely. Riz, I unfortunately have to wrap up, but thank you so much for your time today. It was such thank a pleasure. Appreciate Enjoy it. the rest of your day. Thanks. Something, something, something. We win. I'm Mr. Cat. If they call me the ball. If anyone can find them, it's me. They call me hell. They call me sneaky. Ambrosius really thinks I'm a murderer. It's not my name. You got betrayed by someone you trusted. Because once everyone sees you as a villain, it's not my name. That's what you are. Do you think you saw us? Yes. Christine, it's such a pleasure to meet you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. It's so nice to meet you as, as well. Thank you. I know I'm familiar with your work from Try Guys and all of your videos. What is it like stepping into an animated world where kind of anything and everything is possible, especially with your very heroic character? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was surprisingly... Um, I guess easy for me because I have always been such a hardcore animation fan. So I was already a fan of like the specific process of voiceover acting. I, I like studied watching these great voiceover actors perform in booths. And I so I already kind of knew what that process was like, but experiencing it firsthand for the first time with such an incredible team and such great direction was um, something I can't really even describe. It was an indescribably joyous experience. What uh, maybe surprised you the most about this this art form and this craft that, you know, you don't really know about it until you get into it? I was really surprised because I know there's different, you know, forms of voice acting for different types of animation. But for this, because they were also deciding specific parts of um, how they're animating characters and, and moments, um, they I was surprised that they would actually pull uh, mannerisms I had in the booth and make notes of it for the animators to say, like, maybe oh. consider having him move this way, or even if I scratched my head, or if I smiled a certain way, they, they actually use that also as inspo. So it's not just a, it's not just supplanting a voice onto a pre-made character. It's like really, really, um, there's a lot of synergy there. That was really cool. It's a mini you, which is very awesome. <laughs> I know it's weird. It's bizarre. <laughs> um, obviously this film film deals with so many uh, important themes that I know young children, young adults, teenagers will will relate to, especially if they're going through difficult times, if they're feeling like that outcast in, in life. Um, you know, I know if I saw this film as a young child, I think it really would have helped in a lot of moments. Um, how do you think this film would have impacted your life if it came out when, when you were little, um, you know, as a child who maybe had a million and one different questions about the world ahead of them? <laughs> it would have been... Um life-changing in a lot of ways because I think that there's always you know pieces especially queer media or media that feels representative for you with what however you identify that um we find that we found that especially like I'm in my 30s so 
Um, we often talked about like the idea of queer coding characters, queer coding Disney villains, like that idea. We we find it in places, whether it's present or not, but we can relate to it. But the coding aspect feels like it's something that is um, not present in this film. It's it's quite literally presented like this is a um, essentially a, a gender nonconforming lead. This is a gay boyfriend relationship. And it's up top. It's just right there. And it's plainly stated. And I think that's something that's so wonderful, because just to hear that, I think if I was a child hearing that for the first time, and that it was just no big deal, and they just went back to shooting their sword lasers, then it's that's that's what I love most about it. I feel like it's going to really um, be appreciated by the right people who need to hear it. I do too. And it's really awesome that this film was able to get the green light and, and to be shown yeah. to so many people. I unfortunately have to wrap up, but it was such a pleasure to chat with you and thank you very much for your time today. Likewise, thank you. It was nice chatting. Thank you. Running around with a monster! Don't corner that! The world kicks you around sometimes. But together, we can kick it back. Mona, smart, kind, and sophisticated. That guy just beat his armor! He beat his armor! <laughs> Where this is going. Let's break stuff. Promise I'm your official sidekick forever and ever. No take backsies. But can you just be you? I don't follow. Nick and Troy, I hope you're both doing well. It's a pleasure to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you. Um, I know you two have done a number of animated films in your past. You have an extensive catalog. What is it about that art form that really draws you into it? And this question is really for, for both of you. Uh, you get to play God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's what I, what I love about it is your ability to caricature feeling, right? To, it's, 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 a, it's like visual poetry in a way. You get to build everything in the world, every aspect, control the lighting, the, the way the characters look, move, walk, talk. Uh, the music that goes into it, it really is, uh, it, it's its an incredible uh, artistry that we just love. Yeah. And I think I, I love that feeling that, you know, it takes such teamwork from so many different people, you know, bringing into singular focus uh, emotion. I mean, it, it's like, you know, the classic term, the it's illusion of life. Like if you can get people to laugh or cry and you realize that, you know, that's not a, a singular thing. It doesn't really even exist, but the emotion, the reaction you've created is real and does exist. Uh, it, it's it's fantastic. You two are mad with power in these movies, oh, you're telling me. <laughs> you've, um, you've unleashed something, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. When I was watching Nimona, I felt like it was a, a story that I had certainly never seen before, especially this young teenager who is so powerful as well and can shape shift and everything but um it, could you compare this to any of your previous work or does this kind of stand out entirely from anything that you have ever seen or worked on in the past yeah yeah i mean this this definitely stands out for me against anything i worked on because it this character is so powerful can do anything she's almost godlike and yet all she really wants is to be seen for who she is uh, at the end of the day, which is so incredibly tragic and relatable. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a universal feeling, that feeling of being misunderstood. And uh, 
you know, that that character of Nimona became such a driving force th throughout the movie. And what the graphic novel does a great job of, too, is it, it connected with the LGBTQ plus community. And so it became equally important for us to to tell that story in that authentic way. Um, so even when we got sort of knocked down and the film was killed and we were done, that became why it was so important for us to to find the strength to sort of pull it back from the dead and, and get it out there because um, I mean, knowing a lot of people will need that film. I was just about to say, I am sure that there are so many young kids and young adults, teenagers who are going through really difficult times that they'll see this, they'll be happy about it. I know I'm very happy that this film did get the green light, so I'm very, very happy for both of you. I know my time is just about to be up, but um, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was great thank to meet you. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Emma Sasek's interviews with the cast and directors for the new Netflix animated film, Nimona, Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed, Eugene Lee Yang, Nick Bruno, and Troy Quain. Nimona is currently playing in limited release and will be available to stream on Netflix on June 30th. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema. Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.